following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, October 24th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Dan Bauer and Anshu Khanna. Dan, how are you this evening? Just enjoying my last couple days of October. October baseball until that long, painful winter arrives for baseball season. Yeah, and aren't you coming off of Packers bye week? Hopefully the Packers are refreshed. I know they need to get some receivers back to health, but how are you feeling after a long weekend on your in your own right? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Man. Thanks for uh, implying that I had a long, rough weekend, considering you were a huge part of it. It's definitely <laughs> the case. No, that, I'm, I'm definitely to blame. Uh, but yes, you talked about baseball, Dan. The World Series got underway here tonight as we record on Tuesday evening. This time we don't have to wait for the result. We already have it. Boston ends up winning game one. Uh, let's start with you, Dan. How's the to see the offense. I mean, obviously, Boston's been doing it really throughout the playoffs. The offense has really been able to get things turned around. But Chris Sale kind of got off to a rocky start before they were able to, you know, cement the offense and get things going again and, and end up pulling away from uh, L.A. in this game. But uh, what did you see here in game one that kind of points to what, what we'll see the rest of the series? So the biggest thing to me is just Alex Cora pulling all the right moves. It's, you know, almost an anti-Joe Madden performance uh, from his World Series managing a couple of years ago against my Indians. But uh, Cora, I mean, the the decision to have Nunez pinch hit, which I was sitting in my living room going, this is a terrible idea, why are you pinch hitting? And then he puts the, the big three-run blast to go ahead, especially when uh, Devers had been hit, uh, hit, hitting well uh, to pull him out to put Nunez in uh, for that big hit. Uh, you know, good for him. I mean, very, very smart. And this Boston team just – Every ball that they hit is just right on the nose, and it's. I think that's going to continue. Uh, my original prediction was probably Boston in six, and at this point, I don't know. Maybe I, I might be changing that to Boston in five. Wow, Anju, what does LA have to do to get back in this series? Obviously, they're only down one zero, but Clayton Kershaw kind of gets beat up there at the beginning of this game. Five earned runs in this one. And Boston, like we said, pulls away with it. But what does what does LA need to do to stay competitive here and make this a series? They need to hit the ball out of the park, like straight up. They got to hit more home runs because Boston's going to hang runs on you. We saw it last series. We've seen it all season. You know, a couple of us, myself mainly, you know, were down on this Boston team throughout these playoffs and just ignored the fact that when you look at their lineup up and down, you got Betts and Benintendi and Martinez. I mean, there, there are no easy outs, and the Dodgers just have to hit better, and they have to hit with pop, and if they don't, they're going to get swept out of this series. Are you surprised so, at all the Red Sox? Not used... a good start. Oh, sorry. No. Yeah, no, good. sorry to cut you off there. Were you surprised at all to see Boston using seven pitchers in this game? I mean, obviously, like we said, sales struggled a little bit early, but that's a lot That's a lot of pitchers to go through in the bullpen. I guess you're used to seeing things like that in big games, but do you think that 
that'll be sustainable as we look toward the rest of the series. Oh, man, I, I, I think it's going to be tough. I think that's the one big advantage that the Dodgers have over the Red Sox. But, you know, this it's going to be tough. They're pen, they're starters. They should be able to pitch better um, and try to neutralize some of those bats. But like I said, I think they just need to bash the ball because it looks like Boston is going to carry their heat from the last few series well into this one. So we heard Dan's prediction of five games now being adjusted from six for Boston in Boston's favor. Why don't you, what do you think? Where do you think this one ends up? Oh, man. I think that I do think that with the benefit of hindsight, like Boston's going to win this in six. You know, I would have said it was anyone's game. Um, I actually probably would have leaned with the Dodgers just because their pitching is so much better out of the pen. But, it, you know, if like Dan said, if, if Cora keeps playing the right moves, I wouldn't underrate the fact that he used Nate Evaldi tonight, which was a really smart, interesting move that I didn't see coming. Um, you know, if he keeps pushing those buttons, the Dodgers, you know, this could be quick work for them second straight year as far as losing so i i would say it's going six still for the red sox but man it does not look good for la right now that was a tough game yeah i mean they've been a resilient bunch though i i wouldn't be surprised sure. if this series goes seven uh you know just the fact that the dodgers were able to get back here and they fought through a lot of adversity earlier on in the playoffs obviously and they're able to still to make their way back. And obviously, it's a tough environment to go into Fenway and play in a first game. You know, maybe some first game jitters. Um, but I, I still think this series could go seven. And, and like you said, Anshu, I think the Dodgers have a bit of an edge in the starting pitching at, outside of Sale. And we've already seen Sale. Um, but the bullpen, like you said, I, I that that could also be you know something that that we look at here in this series as as it wears on and and kind of give the edge to the Dodgers. But they really do have to get the bats going. I think that's a huge edge for Boston, and they're proving it throughout these playoffs. I mean, they're putting some serious runs on these other on their opponents. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on the World Series. But uh, did want to kind of briefly touch on the Monday night football game. So at first blush, it didn't seem like a game that really we should be paying much attention to, but Atlanta is able to hold off uh, the giants and it kind of poses a couple questions as far as storylines. Now that the giants are really in a tough position, Uh, Pat Shermer came out and said, Eli is going to be their quarterback after the trade deadline, but his name's been thrown around with the likes of Jacksonville. Uh, Dan, do you see the Giants making a serious move? Obviously, Odell Beckham has has been in talks of uh, you know their their ownership and their their front office of you know keeping his mouth shut and playing football. Uh, we've heard Eli's name thrown around. I mean, do you think this Giants team will make any significant moves here before next week's trade deadline? No, I don't foresee them at least trading Eli or Odell as much sense as it would make. It's just an organization who you know, Eli can do no wrong. He's won them two Super Bowls. And if, if there was ever a time to move them, it was, uh, you know, a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, and I think once you don't do it, then you've just accepted the fact that you're essentially giving him a free pass to play quarterback for you until he wants as as almost a thank you to, uh, you know, for the a couple Super Bowls he's won you. But it, it makes no sense. It's, I think it's a terrible idea. Uh, you need to sit him down um, and go into just full-on tank mode, draft a quarterback in next year's draft. Uh, a, a serious top, you know, they're they're going to get a top three five pick uh, at this point unless something drastic changes. Uh, in, in terms of Odell as well, you know, I think there's there's teams that need receivers. I mean, you saw that Cowboys just gave up a first round pick for Amari Cooper. Uh, you got to figure that Odell's worth more than that. And so while while I do think Dallas overpaid for that, 
the market's got to be there. I mean, you, you almost have to unload Odell if you're the Giants. And like I said, just go on full on tank. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what type of return they could get for someone like Odell. But I also don't think they signed into that long-term deal with the intentions of trading him. But they did end up trading the other Eli in the locker room. So Eli Apple, uh, you know, their their former first-round pick out of Ohio State gets traded to the New Orleans Saints for a fifth-round pick next year and a seventh-round pick the following year. Anchi, were you at all surprised to see Apple on the move? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I think, like you said, or alluded to, you know, this – this Giants team is kind of a disaster right now at one and six. I actually think they're pretty well coached with Pat Shermer. I liked his answers yesterday in the locker room and, and in the presser after the game. But, um, you know, obviously one and six is one and six. And um, Eli Apple is actually not given up a touchdown yet this year. Uh, he has been one of the most frequently targeted cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, which is pretty wild to not give up any touchdowns given that. But, you know, yeah. Like, I, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Landon Collins, their really good safety, gets traded. I do think, like you said, I, I would be shocked if Beckham gets traded after what happened this offseason and then the big re-signing. Uh, um, the one thing is, you know, I, I do think that there's an outside chance that Eli Manning does get moved. I, I think that the Jaguars do make sense. Tom Coughlin, his former coach, obviously calling the shots there. Um, you know, I, I would rule that out. And, uh, you know, the way the boat is playing for the Jaguars right now, I could see, you know, I, I could see Eli Manning being there. I, and I think that he could make a big difference for them. And as, uh, you know, Dan kind of said, you know, they drafted a quarterback last year early. And, and you know, I, I think you got to kind of see what you have in Kyle Lillette. Uh, um, at some point, I mean, you're one in six. This thing is basically over with one more loss. They have a bye week this week. You know, this is the kind of time with the trade deadline next week um, where the teams make these kind of big, drastic moves to set themselves up for the next year's draft. Yeah, definitely. Let's stay in the NFC. So, Dan, you alluded to the trade. Um, Amari Cooper on the move for a first-round pick uh, to Oakland. Oakland came out and said that John Gruden that they're done making trades, uh, but it seems like there's a bit of a fire sale going on in Oakland. Um, but more importantly, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about this Dallas Cowboys trade. There was a lot of speculation with the whole Dez situation, whether or not he was going to come back, whether or not he was going to sign somewhere, and what the Dallas Cowboys were going to do with their lack of a playmaking wide receiver. They go out and get Amari Cooper, who has not been playing up to his best level of football of late, but been fighting through some injuries as well. But aren't you, I mean, how significant of a move is it is for Dallas and help them now. Obviously, Dak has struggled this year as well. Yeah, it's a huge move. I mean, I look, I, it may not be a huge move in the interim, but I think by the end of the season, you know, this is going to be a big thing. I don't know if Jason Garrett's going to be their offensive coordinator next year. I don't know if they're going to be running the same offense, but that's not why you trade a first for Amari Cooper. You do it for the multiple seasons to come. And the reality is, when you look at that lineup, even though they spent a second rounder on Michael Gallup, who I know a lot of people like um you know they don't they don't have a number one receiver amari cooper could be that guy um the guy that they thought Dez was going to be and that he was at one point in his career tony romo and so it's going to be really interesting i i i don't know if he's going to be that this year I, he could be but um i think it's a bold move i wouldn't have done it dan said that it was too much i agree a first rounder for amari cooper seems absurd to me but the guy's only 24 years old still um we've seen what his talent you know has proven out on the field um, I, I think that it's going to end up being an okay move for them. I just a first rounder for a team that could be drafting in the top ten very easily seems like a lot though for a long right? 
Yeah, Dallas clearly looking to go for it this year in a kind of crowded and, and subpar division. But, Dan, the, the one other thing I wanted to talk about with the trade deadline is Le'Veon Bell. We've, we've talked a lot about it on this show, but it sounds like his holdout is now going to continue through this week, and he's going to hold out at least through the trade deadline. So, obviously, Le'Veon at this point, I think, has made it clear that he wants a trade. I've got to ask if you feel like he's going to be on the move here in the, in the next week. You know, it's one of those things that if you'd have asked me at the start of the season, you know, will the Steelers move him? I would have said absolutely. Um, and now it's getting to that point where, like, I, I almost just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think they're going to give him the 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 benefit of it. I think they're going to say, screw you, you're going to play for us, or uh, you can roll the dice on, on your future here. But if you're the Steelers, I mean, it sets you up really light, nicely. If Le'Veon actually comes back and actually plays his tail off, which at this point I don't really foresee as likely, I think he's going to kind of mail it in. He's going to show up, collect his paychecks, and uh, walk out the door. Just this relationship is so fractured. But if he does decide to turn it on, I mean, you have Le'Veon with fresh legs uh, coming into November, December playoff time. Obviously, the Steelers team is right there in the playoff line. Uh, I mean, technically – first in the division right now uh thanks to that tie with my cleveland browns but uh if, if he comes back healthy and he actually turns it on uh, this steelers team just got even more dangerous going forward yeah not looking forward to that but um it'll be interesting to see if he does get moved because john connor has been very good in the interim and it, it seems like they're the ready to, yeah it, it seems like they're ready for him to kind of take the reins and it, it, they definitely don't want to spend the kind of money it's going to take to keep Le'Veon Bell in the long term. So it'll be interesting to see how that story shakes out and to see if Le'Veon actually finally gets on the field. Obviously, you know, it's been nice not having him on the field as, as fans of teams in the same division, but it's going to happen sooner or later, whether it's on the, the, the Steelers or on some, some other team. So uh, we will know very soon. What is the trade deadline? Is it next Wednesday, next Thursday? I believe so. Right around that. Yeah. Yeah. So some people are still playing football, though. Obviously, Le'Veon has chosen not to for uh, quite a while now, but uh, the Houston Texans have been on fire lately. They're going to host on Thursday Night Football. The Dolphins kind of on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Ryan Tannehill still hurt. They've been going with Brock Osweiler, who has actually looked pretty good in the interim. But they've got Frank Gore leading them in rushing, who is, what, 35, 36 years old. They just lost Albert Wilson. Uh to an injury that, that could be long-term. So now they're stuck with a disgruntled Devontae Parker, who you could hear about, about being potentially traded over the next week as well. And Danny Amendola, uh, in, in their, their wide receiver situation is just right now. So aren't you, I've got to hear if you think Miami can even hang with Houston at this point. Houston looked like they were out of the playoff picture, and now they're in control of this division. Uh, but what do you think happens here on Thursday night? Yeah, I think we're in for a bloodbath. Uh, I, I think that Brock Osweiler going to. You didn't mention Kenny Stills; he's also out this week. I mean, I, they're they are the walking wounded right now. They're going to try to take the air out of the ball. I think the Texans, although Deshaun Watson's playing with like bruised lungs or a punctured rib or something insane, you know, I, I just think that they're going to ring it up, and uh, I expect a blowout. I, I think that the Texans are going to be on a mission. They're going to continue their hot streak. And they're going to continue to cruise in this AFC South that has been very winnable, especially with the Jaguars not looking very good. I really like the Texans in this game. Dan, would you agree? I mean, do you think the Dolphins are now showing, you know, that their true colors and and not getting 
to making the playoffs. I know we kind of thought that they were pretenders here for most of the year, but obviously they're still sitting there at four and three. And, you know, if they're able to sneak, you know, sneak this win on the road, obviously they're in a good position. Um, but uh, would you agree with Anshu that maybe this is not the game that they get the things uh, things straight? Yeah, zero chance. Uh, shout out to us, all three of us, for calling them pretenders all year. I mean, this Texans team is just absolutely rolling. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, alluded to it. Uh, winners of four straight, and they rolled off wins. Jaguars, Bills, I mean, not that one's that impressive, but uh, Cowboys and Colts, I mean, this team is just absolutely rolling. Um, and this Dolphins team is going the complete opposite way. Uh, you are, I mean, with Kenny Stills out, too, I mean, he's been one of your top touchdown producers uh, for that team, and it, there's just, there's really no chance I think they can even hang with the Texans. Uh, it's seven and a half is the line. I, I mean, I take, I would. Uh, why would why it'd be hard that for Houston not to cover that? I mean, that's uh, they're gonna blow them out. Yeah, I have to agree with you both. Unfortunately, I, I Houston, I, I thought they were done, and you know the, the the offense was never the question, but the defense is really what's been stepping it up lately. And if they can continue looking as good as they've looked for the past few weeks, I mean, this is a team that you that you, I'd be worried to play in the playoffs. Uh, like, and not that they haven't beat us in multiple playoffs in the past, but I'd be worried about playing this Houston team in the playoffs for sure. Um, but Friday, we're going to preview all the rest of the games on uh, this weekend slate. But Anshu, I did just want to ask you before we get to our oh by the way is we've got a big game at uh, northwestern that i know you're going to be in a 10 minutes for on the road they absolutely are in desperate desperate need of a win uh, do you think your wisconsin badgers are able to pull off a win here in chicago chicago's big 10 team yeah <laughs> i think so i northwestern generally had their number wisconsin's been a huge disappointment alex honeybrook's just the worst quarterback in the country considering what his expectations were um, but no, I, I, this game is basically for a berth in the, you know, probably a berth in the Big Ten title game. So uh, for whatever that's worth, I think Wisconsin's clearly the better team. I expect them to win here in uh, in Evanston. Fair enough. There's a couple other big games on the slate this weekend in college football. My Florida State Seminoles are going to get crushed by Clemson. Florida <laughs> plays Georgia on a nine a nine versus seven matchup. Iowa goes on the road to take on Penn State in an eighteen seventeen. Uh, and I think Texas, this could be a week where they could potentially falter. They, they're the number six seed in the country right now. They, they go on the road to take on Oklahoma State. That's a game I think they could potentially lose. But there's some good college football this weekend. Obviously, we saw Ohio State go down. We're going to see more juggernauts fall as the season goes on. And the SEC seems like they're really in control of this playoff picture as we look to the end of this uh, college football season. So we are keeping this show within our constraints for once, guys. But I've got to get to, oh, by the way, Dan, what do you have for us? I love the college football reference. Uh, don't forget that, that big game with the Ohio University Bobcats taking on Ball State. On, uh, How could we forget? Thursday night, so keep an eye on that one. Um, oh, the real action. Thursday night football. Is that yeah. a color rush game? M- action. But, I like uh, it. <laughs> so uh, my, oh, by the way, is just, just another general grievance about the absolutely atrocious team that, that ESPN, that Fox, that everybody continues to put out and announce playoff baseball games, World Series baseball games. There was a comment early in the game that got a little bit of play on Twitter uh, where Joe Buck had criticized the Dodgers as saying they're a team that uh, that focuses too much on things like launch angle and the Red Sox don't, and that's why the Red Sox are going to win, which is just an absolutely absurd comment. 
every professional baseball team is looking at things like exit velocity, launch angle. Every major college team, every Division two and three college team are starting to look at that. I mean, there's there's high school programs, there's youth programs looking at that stuff. To say that that one professional baseball team over another is looking at things like launch angle, and that's why one of them is going to lose as compared to the other ones. And then just a, like five minutes after that, uh, the Dodgers just uh, blank on who hit it now, but just hit that absolute moonshot out of it. So uh, I guess maybe sometimes it is important to look at that. But get some guys up there. And, I mean, we talked about the ESPN Statcast broadcast uh, earlier in the year that they had. I mean, let's get back to that. Let's get some guys talking about baseball who actually want to talk about baseball in 2018 and not 1918. End of rant. I like it. Wow. I like it. I like it. A purist, but uh, the advanced people. metrics. You guys, you nerds, you guys love that stuff. Wow. Um, I'm going to stick to basketball. I, this is throughout the rest of football season for Mayo, by the way, because I'm one of the few people who actually cares about the NBA right now, and who would have thought, right? Uh, but Chris Dunn is out four to six weeks. Your boy, Anshu. But then your other boy, uh, he has an MCL sprain, by the way, but your other boy, Blake Griffin, with a monster game tonight, drops 50 in an overtime win over the Sixers, 133 to 132. This was actually a very entertaining game to watch. Uh, Andre Drummond played horrible in this one, but Blake Griffin dominant throughout, and it was just a fun game to watch as they knock off the 76ers. Detroit, the Detroit Pistons are 3-0 and right now, which to me is, is crazy. We'll see if they can keep things up, but uh, the, the NBA season is early, and, and, and there's, you know, the stars are out to play. It's, it's, it's still been fun to watch, but obviously, you know, it's tough to kind of switch gears and, and start to think about NBA when we're still in the heart and midst of football season. But Anshu, what do you have for, oh, by the way, tonight? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, this is the best part about the NBA season is right now. Okay. You got the stars playing, but you also have like a tiny bit of hope for even the really terrible teams, which is fun. But I, uh, my, oh, by the way, has to do with a little bit of disappointment I have in Josh done. And that is because earlier tonight I referenced, he said John Connor instead of James Connor. And I said James Connor. <laughs> and I called him the Terminator and I got no response. Out of I him. laughed. So actually, I laughed. Huge disappointment on both of you. That was hilarious. It deserved a lot more of a laugh. So I'm All right. Sorry. I guess I should have fallen out of my chair. Listen, it was great. <laughs> I'll give you the uh, reference. Fine. That's, that's your O, by the way? That's it, yeah. I respect it. I like it. I like it to the point. Anything to add for the good of the group from either of you guys? No, sir. Right. I think we'll end on that Terminator. I love it. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. Uh, go watch the Terminator. Terminator 2 was my favorite, but I do remember that his name was John Connor. And clearly, clearly I don't remember that uh, the Steelers running back currently is James Connor. So I apologize for that. But for Dan Bauer and Anshu Khanna, we'll be back. I'm Josh Don. This has been The Leftovers.